Welcome to A Lemon A Day, a mini-series to heal yourself and change your life. I am so excited to bring you this new fortnightly supplement to Lemonade, where every two weeks I'll bring you an interview with an incredible practitioner from a life-changing healing modality. I am asked quite a lot about what I've done to heal myself over the years, and it's a question I'm always too happy to answer because I love sharing the different ways I've worked on my emotional, physical, spiritual, and psychological health. So I thought, why not bring the very people who've changed my life to you? None of these interviews are sponsored or gifted in any way. I can assure you of that. So every word of endorsement is because the therapeutic practice has genuinely enriched my life or I am hanging to try it out very soon. This week, I'm talking to Patina Stanghon, a therapist specializing in couples and family therapy as well as addiction. I'm really excited to bring you my chat with Patina for many reasons, but mostly because, and I know I have said this a few times, she honestly, truly changed my life when she came into it at a very, very low point a few years ago. I truly believe talk therapy is essential for everyone, but even more so if you're going through a tough time. Patina is a solution-focused, integrative therapist who helps her clients focus on the big picture, not just short-term relief, but the ultimate goal of long-term recovery to live your best life. Just a note, the content provided in A Lemon A Day is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always, always seek the health advice of your GP. Tina, welcome to my podcast. It's such a thrill to have you on finally. Probably the guest that I've been wanting to have on most of everyone, I would say. Thank you. I feel like I say this about everyone, but I always say that they've, and they have played a fundamental role in my healing and my journey, but um, none more than you. <laughs> I don't know, you don't like compliments, so I'm probably making you feeling a bit awkward right now. But um, yes, yeah, it's you that has completely changed my life so I couldn't be couldn't think of anyone more suitable to be on this podcast supplement than you thank you very much that's that's big but I receive it thank you (laughs) I feel like you have might have quite a little bit of a gut feeling that you are responsible for changing me a lot so it's probably not too much of a surprise now Bettina with this supplement I love to just get a feel about all the practitioners I've worked with how they've helped me what the kind of work they do and why that work can be really uh, beneficial to people healing or overcoming big major life events or some kind of traumas. So firstly, I would love to know a little bit about you, how you got to where you are today, what your story is. Oh gosh. Um, So it's interesting. I was actually just thinking about this this morning because you you never know how you're going to end up in this position. Um, I was on a a call earlier this morning and I was actually just sitting out in the open and some other woman was obviously listening into my call and I got off the call and she said, my God, it sounds like you're changing lives. And I kind of went, ah, no, not really. And walked away. And then I thought, I suppose I am a little bit, you know, it, it, I never planned. I never thought I want to run a rehab Mm. and I want to be a therapist. And I just never did. I, I had a huge amount of therapy myself. Um, I came from a family with addiction um, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. Uh, I thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So based on my value system, I thought success was being very financially successful and being respected as a woman and empowered and all the rest of it. And, um, and then quite early on via uh, struggles in my relationships ended up in therapy and then just loving it. So I, I didn't even qualify as a therapist until um, I just had my second child. Before that, I, I worked in hospitality. I did 
you know, I started and almost completed two other degrees, one in organic gardening and garden design, which I was bloody awful at, quite frankly. But <laughs> I didn't I, know that. I loved the idea. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I, I mean, I lived in London for 12 years and I wanted to be a garden designer and grow organic gardens and I was vegan for seven years. I mean, I, you know, you just try lots of different things and then, um, yeah, then via one of my own therapists decided I wouldn't mind doing that course and I had a, a child and another on the way and then once she was, my daughter who's now 17 was um, just qualifying, that's when I just started working in this field. Um, but ultimately, I'm a, I, I've got that entrepreneurial spirit so as soon as I qualified, um, I just backed myself and went, I'm, I'm just going to do this. And I just oh dived in and I, yeah. <laughs> so I never went through that working for other people or I got offered work where I did my placement. And I think I did that for a little while and that was at a rehab. And then I went, oh, I can do loads better than this. <laughs> so I'm just ar arrogant. And I just went and started my own thing um, after a year and a half. There's all different areas that you work in though as you said you work in addiction and rehab yeah. but you also work in family counseling individual counseling yeah. couples counseling what is it about yeah. these i guess on the surface they look like they're completely different facets of counseling mm. but perhaps they're not mm. why did you want to yeah why are they why did you decide to incorporate these different areas into one i suppose because I'm really solution focused and I, again I think that comes from coming from a family of entrepreneurs um, you know I have studied and done a Bachelor of Social Science and Psychology and I could be a registered psychologist the reason I work outside of that is I don't think that is very solution focused it's very indemnity focused it's very formulaic everybody wants to be an expert and I'm a big picture thinker like what is the solution and I know the solution isn't ever one thing which is the the kind of <clears throat> catchphrase of Noosa Confidential it is never just one thing um, and you know, a, a lot of people get very attached to A, being the smartest person in the room, a lot of therapists, um, B, diagnosing, and then, and then clients identify with that diagnosis and define themselves now more than ever. I mean, you and I were talking about it recently, you know, they put their, their attachment style and what, how they identify or their gender identity, they list it. And it's like, that's not self-awareness. And unless these awarenesses play out in the everyday and impact and improve how you're living, how you're interacting, um, your capacity to, to drop into depth and, and authenticity, then they're worth F all. So mm. for me, it was, it's never just psychological. Um, actually, my, my son had a lot of physiological challenges, which brought me to gut health in 2007, which wasn't even a thing in Australia. So I started working with integrative practitioners. I started integrating that into my work. Um, and yeah, and then again, okay, so nothing happens in a, in a vacuum. If somebody's presenting with depression or anxiety, what's happening in their relationships? Do we need to talk to their spouse? Do we need mm. to look at their family of origin? Are their family of origin willing to dive in and be part of the solution? Or do they just want to say, fix him or her? Ideally, they're part of the solution. We look at family dynamics. We look at generational trauma. We look at generational addiction and inflammation. Then, like it's, it just it's. I'm a big picture thinker, and I and I want to bring everybody into that. Let's look at the big picture. It's never one thing. It's so interesting because in uh, in the past, I've had quite a few, oh, not quite a few, but I've had a few psychologists, and it's always been very insular, and it's always just been a lot mm. of just me sitting there. And as, as I'm sure you can attest to, I know how to talk and I know how to talk about myself <laughs> for an hour. Um, <laughs> it's just so strange. 
so weird that I have a podcast. And, mm. you know, I, I, I found that, that I found that approach wasn't exactly helpful. Just uh, maybe yeah. it is for some, just being listened to for now, but it's that solution focus that I find is what drives the change within you to be, have that awareness mm. rather than just being, I guess, indulged and listened to as well. And, and is that yeah. then the biggest difference between counseling, which is what you do and what I engage with you in, in a counseling capacity and seeing a yeah. psychologist is like, I think there's a lot of confusion around the two. And I know I'm going back to labels here, but yeah, I feel if you could break mm. that down, that would be great. Sure. I mean, I think psychology and studying psychology is awesome because I love information and I love being clever and I, and I love diving into just, just, just interesting data. Um, you know, we talk a lot about different modalities and could this be this or that? It's like, I love that stuff. But mm. um, the, the difference between what I do, so, so I'm not registered because I won't work within the bounds of of how a psychologist works and that, you know, they're bound by APRA and, and certain mm. protocols, which I'm just not interested in working within, honestly. And I've never had to, I don't require mental health care plans to, to fill my practice. So I, I don't need that model of the world. Some people do and good on you, get the referrals from the GP, get your, you know, 10 sessions or 40 sessions, depending on what the diagnosis is. But for me that, you know, sorry, but that, that makes for some lazy, approach to therapy mm. you know I'm not interested in working with people that aren't interested in doing the work I won't waste my time I do I do say to people if we're having the same session over and over you know either dive in and make some changes and really have a willingness to be uncomfortable um psychologists aren't you're not meant to tell somebody what to do I mean literally mm. I mean you know at its most basic level you're meant to let the client come to that conclusion yeah. the most common thing is you know clients saying to me I I've been to a therapist and it is nice to feel validated and heard. And that is helpful. Yeah. Step one. Um, so you do walk away initially feeling better. Hopefully you feel yeah. poor. You feel like you've got your person. They understand you. Maybe they, you know, so that's all awesome. But then if we're not coming up with solutions and if there isn't change in the everyday, and if you've walked out thinking, starting to run a blame story, Oh, I've been through trauma. It's my mother. It's my father. It's, you know, again, I, I work as you know, with, two trauma therapists i believe it's not what i do um that somatic work but i believe in collaboration and working through trauma but again and, and my co um colleagues that i work with will say the same there's a time for really immersing yourself in in processing the trauma but if that processing keeps you in victim and it mm. doesn't eventually transition into experiencing and doing life action differently then get another therapist mm. because you know, you, there should be change. And if there's no change and if you're not taking radical responsibility for yourself and, and really holding yourself accountable, kicking your own ass and, and noticing when you're going back into your own patterns. I mean, you and I have had this conversation many times. Oh, I've never um, done It's that. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never gone into you my know? own patterns ever. <laughs> but you notice, you yeah. notice, and that's progress. And, and the other thing is, as, as you well know, I, I work outside of the bounds. I encourage contact between sessions i email mm. i text i i message through instagram i i want to have that type of real time hang on i've just noticed i've done this and do you think this is this yes you're doing it again mm. so let's let's notice it and interrupt it as opposed to 
seeing you once a fortnight and going, oh, feeling pretty good. I can't remember what happened. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I would find too. And I found that, um, that real time kind of help when things have felt very huge in that moment, being able to talk yeah. it through just over a couple of messages. And then you're like, oh, yeah. oh, okay, it's all right. And then by the time I'm speaking to you in a proper session next, it's yeah. kind of not even a thing anymore. Like you've kind of just forgotten how to work through it and yeah. you've had that. And then maybe if it happens again, sometimes I've not even men- mentioned it to you because I've got that then self-awareness of what to do because exactly. it's be exactly the same. What role does self-awareness play in this? And I guess what does doing the work look like as well? Yeah. Self-awareness is key. You know, if your therapeutic work with, you know, with your practitioner isn't building your own self-awareness, if you're not walking away saying, wow, okay, yep, I'm really getting that. A lot of people want, uh, want it to be about somebody else. Oh, finally, I got my diagnosis. I've got depression or my chronic anxiety. And it's like, how is that helpful? It's helpful in step one in the terms of, wow, okay, that feels validating. I really, I am, I'm, yes. I'm, I'm anxious, you know, but, and okay, yep, there's a time and a place for medication. And if that's going to be helpful as an interim, you know, intervention, that's awesome too. Medication is never meant to be used on its own. It is always meant to be used um, in conjunction with then building your self-awareness, taking accountability, repairing and resolving any conflicts, learning to respond differently, practicing and doing your homework around responding differently when you're activated. Um, You know, the meds are meant to give you the capacity to then do the change work. Yeah, um, that's what they're meant to do. They are not a cure within themselves, and and that's where all of this has become very distorted, in my opinion, and very unhelpful and very disempowering. So self awareness is the foundation. Gosh, I really get to understand how I operate. I notice that I do this when that happens, and I and I notice now I become it slows down for me, and I notice what's happening in my body, and I notice the story that gets activated, and then that I want that story to be right, even if it's painful. I'm a victim. He shouldn't have spoken to me that way. I get righteous. I get to talk to my friends and be yeah. right, and then we roll around in our righteousness, and it's like that's awesome, and you get a kick from it. It's quite addictive. Totally. But- you're just so back in the same place. So how is that helpful for you? you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because it's in real time right now. And I've mentioned to you, I've had some robust conversations over the last few days with different people. And that is extremely yeah. challenging for me. And this morning yeah. I felt really anxious. It's just really anxious. I felt uncomfortable. I just feel like I need to fix something. And yeah. I wouldn't have even known this pattern. I wouldn't have been able to trace it back. I would have just thought, oh, I'm an anxious person and I'm having an anxious mm. day rather than, oh, no, I'm mm. feeling anxious because I'm a little bit activated and I'm wondering if this person likes me still and what they're thinking of me. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to just trace it back and be like, oh, that's, that's where it's come from. So I don't think I would have known that or had those tools to do that. Even six months mm. ago, even 12 months ago, and mm. I can only see how that something like that gets the ball rolling to be a tool that you could use, you know, for the rest of your life, hopefully as well. Is 100%. that what you notice with pay, with hundred percent? Yeah. For those that are willing to do the work. Yes. And, and I'm just not interested in, in somebody that wants to pathologize themselves. You know, there's, there's therapists for that because it's not a good business model to say, my aim is to empower you to get to the point of not needing me. Yeah. And, and that works for me because I have a waiting list of people wanting to work with me. So that's fine for me. Um, I don't want to be a therapist for the next 20 years and I don't want us to be rolling around in the same stories. Your anxiety is, it's a signal. 
and it tells you something about yourself and yep. what's happening in your body. It's also something that I would say is a verb, not a noun. It's not something you have. It is something you do. Anxiety is a verb I need to control. So in mm-hmm. the example that you just used, it's that I have set some new boundaries in place and I have noticed how uncomfortable that makes me feel because I'm ultimately a people pleaser. I want people to like me and I want, and that makes me feel good about myself because yeah. I'm a good person and we, none of us, you know, and I've, I mean, understanding you will be the villain in some people in your lives stories and Mm. it will be distorted and no amount of you trying to not be the villain will fix it and that they will be walking around this earth with a story about you that you believe is inaccurate whether it is inaccurate or not um and then sitting in the discomfort of that yeah it's uncomfortable knowing somebody is slagging me off or somebody is believing i'm a horrible person or i'm a bad mother or i'm greedy I'm controlling. Well, you are controlling. You're sitting here trying to control the narrative and adjusting your behavior in order for other people to try and perceive you in a certain light, whether it's true or not. So you are controlling and you know you're controlling. So, you know, it's that let's be real. You know, yeah. you are doing that. So here's the discomfort. I have to sit here knowing I've set a boundary, which is my highest priority. It is in alignment with my values, but it's incredibly uncomfortable because it's not in alignment with everybody else's values. And right. I can't kind of honor my values and accommodate for everybody else's values and expectations so you know and that's where that people pleasing need to control perfectionism which has its feet firmly in self-loathing and a lack of authenticity wow bang (laughs) what are you talking about yeah um what are the kind of the main reasons and i feel like this you might have just answered that in this question but the main reasons women are coming to work with you is it this lack of ability to set firm boundaries this people pleasing nature like i feel like I don't want to generalize to women exclusively, but they do seem like traits that are attributed to women being wanting to be people Mm. pleasers and controlling surroundings. Mm. Yeah, this is a really big one. And um, look, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a working mum. I, I am, I have benefited from significantly benefited from um, feminism and empowerment of women. My mother was a working mother. Um, all the things I believe are possible for me in my life. I, I know have their feet firmly planted in women and empowerment and what have you. However, do I also believe that uh, the flip side of that is that Um, We have our our innate conditioning, whether it's from a gender perspective, which obviously opens up a whole other can of worms, um, but our our role as what we perceive a woman must be like, and everybody's different depending on the environment they grew up in, Um, and and wanting to be liked. I mean, men are definitely more comfortable with not being liked than women. There's no question. They really like me, don't like me, I don't care. They have a greater capacity to sit in that discomfort, or maybe they don't feel the discomfort i mean some men do but um and speak you know, up just for themselves a, yeah i find there's so 100%. much better speaking up for themselves in every in work capacities every capacity yep 100 percent. but the the problem in my opinion with the current flavor of feminism is that um you know and as i say i acknowledge the role i'm not anti-feminism but it's not helpful or empowering in many ways expecting other people to change society to change like should there be equal pay for equal work of course there should be in workplaces is it necessary in parliament jesus christ absolutely 100 percent. let's dive in but in relationships it is you know it has had a really negative impact and women frequently don't feel empowered and actually in my opinion they're encouraged to 
to blame, to project. You need to validate me. I've literally just come out of a two-hour mediation with a couple, you know, and um, and she was saying he needs to validate what I'm doing. And I said, but you don't value what you're doing. So you think I'm just a stay-at-home mum, and you and we're talking babies, two young babies, you know, and you think I'm not doing something. I need to get a job outside of the home, and you're not valuing being a homemaker, and and then you're saying, and I need everybody else to validate it before I can feel good about myself. It starts with you, mm. you know, being a stay-at-home mum, raising a human, setting up their gut health, nutritionally balancing their diet, making sure they get enough sleep. You are setting up a human particularly from zero to seven, their nervous system, their values, what love looks like, what self-care looks like, how to make yourself happy as a woman rather than self-loathing and self, like that is like no pressure, but it all starts with you. With the mother so, role in someone's life. Is that what you're role. referring to? Yeah. 100%. Yep. So if you're not validating yourself and you think I should be outside of the home earning an income in order to feel empowered and, and you know, and I mean, I was a working mum, so I get it. I got au pairs in. And, mm. and there's a consequence for that too. But, you know, it's that we all have to take ownership for our choices and our values. And that means first and foremost, getting clear on what your values are. And then on top of that, what are my priorities? A priority is just the value that's at the top of the list you mm. know, that I'm going to prioritize. Um, and then, yeah, so getting clear on that. So do I feel that that's been lost for many women? Yes. What's the most common feedback? I lost myself once I had kids. Yeah. I was this empowered young woman yeah. or whatever age you are. And then I got married. That was awesome. We fell in love. I had my fairy tale. Awesome. There's the conditioning from the fairy tale stuff, which we can go into. And then I had children and then I lost myself. Uh, uh, and, you know, and then I never got it back. Maybe I never felt good about myself again. I criticized. I didn't know whether to be a mother or a working mother. I disconnected yeah. my husband. I started blaming him he has to validate me we're not having sex it's like so that just happens so for me it was like working with women then working with couples and helping them really recalibrate their relationship is very rewarding because that's where it starts it starts with us looking for social change and justice when you're not living in alignment first and foremost yourself mm. that's 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 a messed up way of working first start with yourself you were really instrumental in helping me reframe this narrative of um, that I certainly don't feel, and we've discussed this as well, like I feel like this very independent, strong, empowered woman, but then you were like, mm -hmm. but it's okay to want a relationship. It's okay to still at times feel lonely or feel alone or feel mm. like you would be enriched from a relationship. And I think so much of the narrative is around the fact, and, and I had it in my head that like, if I need someone or I'm seeking it or this a relationship to be happy, then I'm not complete within myself. I need to mm. fill that 150% within myself. Mm. Um, before I can go seek that out. And you're, it was just so validating and changed everything to hear, but you can't get like, like connection with someone else with mm. yourself. Like it has to, mm. there are some things that can't be manifested solely within yourself. And I think that was just such a relief for me and perhaps maybe for women listening that, um, you know, it, it doesn't make you lesser then because you, would like to have a connection with another human being. Oh my goodness. So all the S yeah, a hundred percent. I remember that conversation and um, you know, I believe we're on the planet 
to be in relationship and to relate. Um, and that's, you know, connection. So yes, is it important to start with yourself and have a connection with yourself and know yourself and build self-awareness? Of course. A thousand yes. percent. Of course it is. Um, however, you know, we, we can, you can go up the mountain and contemplate your navel and become and then have some aha moments and that's all awesome. Until you come down off the mountain and, and start to test those awarenesses and those new kind of understandings with another human, you know, who mm. won't necessarily validate or align. And, and then you go, oh, this is too confronting. You've just pushed my buttons or he triggered me or she triggered me. And it's like, well, whose button is it? My button, right. And, and how did they push that button of yours you know is it helpful for you to say it's about them or is it great to go wow I feel really activated mm. that person said or did x that's interesting for me to understand about myself because ultimately I want to be in relationships with myself with my friends with my lovers with my family mm. you know they all have the capacity to push a button of mine all those buttons are mine so I need to be able to relate and I want to feel deeply connected with another person. I mean, that's relationships are hard. Mm. You know, they're hard. You can, you can, I have a lot of clients who think that they're self-aware and, and they are, that's not to say they don't have any self-awareness, but then they're constantly triggered. No, I have to put a boundary up because you've triggered me. Well, how yeah. is that helpful for you? Like, why don't you lean into the discomfort of the activation and have a conversation? Rather than boundary, 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 yeah. trigger, boundary. It's like, that's not, that's not self-awareness. And blaming That's somebody not else. challenging yourself. No, I think that's a big not part helpful. with you, you were extremely helpful as well, was helping to um, know when my past was impacting my present as well. Like when old stories, yeah. old things coming up and I'd be saying, talking about a situation now and you'd be like, but that is, is that the situation right now today? I was like, no, 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 yeah. no, but it was two years ago. You know, this is what happened yeah. two, three years ago. It's like, but that yeah. is not yeah. happening today. And it's so easy to get caught up in those stories that we build our whole lives around. Why, you know, how can talk therapy, I suppose, help undo and untangle these stories slowly? Because it can take a lot of time, but surely. Yeah. And how can that then help um, process what has happened? Yeah, so again, what is self-awareness? Well, understanding the narratives you have running. And yes, I do give a lot of my clients homework. And some of it is, you know, Brene Brown, watch the TED Talks, mm -hmm. read her books, get in the arena in terms of understanding your stories. Because yes, we all have a whole category of stories in different areas of our lives. And when you're activated, you have to know the story I have running in my head right now is that he should be respecting me and he yep. should never have. And it's like, okay, write all of that out or say it out loud. Yeah, Because sometimes it's ridiculous. Like the stories yes. you have running are yeah. just ridiculous. And how many times have you said to me, well, now that I say it out loud, it just sounds stupid. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. Or just never going <laughs> yeah. to happen. Like sometimes you're like, that's just yeah. not rooted in reality. That is not yeah. going to happen. That person is never going to do what you're saying <laughs> you would like Absolutely. them to do. And, you know, the, the problem or the gift with our brain is that um, it, it runs off the input that we put in. So, and we all want to be right, even if it means experiencing more pain. At least, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? I'm telling you, most people would rather be right, mm -hmm. even though it takes them down a road of misery. 
and self-loathing and believing other people don't like them or they're not enough or whatever and believing everybody should be responding differently or or be different or men should be different or women should like whatever it is so it's that so what is your story you know stop shooting all over yourself about how others Mm. should behave or how you should feel or how how an empowered woman should respond and start getting clear on what am I believing in this moment? What is the story that's running? And then can we interrupt that story? Let's challenge the story. Byron Katie's another Mm. wonderful book to read, Loving What Is. Like get clear on the narrative, interrupt the narrative, challenge the narrative as opposed to going, yeah, see, I'm right. And I talk to my friends who agree with me and empower me, so-calledly empower you. And and I then come up with all the examples in my mind (laughs) to prove that the, the distortion I'm running is accurate. See, I link that up and that mm. up and that up and that mm-hmm. up. And then I'm I feel right. right and I'm righteous and, and I'm miserable, but I'm righteous. So it's awesome. That's the story yeah. of my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are the, how rewarding has it been, I suppose, working with people and witnessing their growth, witnessing them changing patterns, stories, and leaning into this discomfort and perhaps even evolving into a version of themselves that they've never been and knowing that you played a part in that? How rewarding can that be? Um, it's really rewarding. Um, you know, I, it's really rewarding. I mean, the reason I get, I, I like to have the contact between sessions is yes, I would rather have the, I just had a win. I mean, I got one this morning. I'm, I'm, I've just, you know, I had a client um, who was very activated just by COVID and I've had, obviously had a lot of clients, a lot of relationships that have been impacted. Um, and she and her husband, after seven weeks of work with me and I've stopped now, have reconnected. They are on up opposing sides of, of the COVID debate. Um, the husband said, can you get her to change her mind? The wife said, I need you to get him to change his mind. That was their belief at the beginning of the sessions. And by the end, I said, unless or until you can really compassionately see the other person's perspective and hold space for that and still find a way to connect because the phenomenon these days is I, I surround myself with like-minded people who validate mm. my, my worldview and I have no capacity to hold space for another person's worldview, whether that is in society or within marriages, that's happening a lot. Like, can we vehemently disagree and love each other and respect one another? And she they got there in a, in a seven week period. Um, and once again, I ended up working with her mother and his mother and we looked at family history and trauma and what was driving it and blah, blah, blah. And, and it was just, yeah, to get a, we've, we've just reconnected and I did mm. not think this could happen at the beginning of seven weeks. It wow. was really awesome. Um, it's a good feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you think, and we might've touched on it a few times. What do you think the general conversation around healing and processing trauma is missing? Accountability. I mean, honestly, I think, I think there's a real fixation on staying in victim. Um, and I think I understand how we got there, that even acknowledging that there is a victim had to happen, um, you know, that, that whether it's about domestic violence against women and children, whether it's about um, gender identity, that all of this was necessary, that the dialogue was necessary. But do I feel that it has swung to a point where, radical accountability and responsibility for yourself and your own well-being is is being sacrificed yes i i do feel that um you know everybody else you know the the, the cult of being offended cancel culture all of that is 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 an indicator that yeah we're looking to blame and and mm. policies need to change yes um you know but 
first you've got to be able to be okay with yourself before you start looking for everybody to validate you. Um, everybody isn't going to validate you. Life is difficult and uncomfortable. Everybody isn't going to make you feel safe. You need to feel safe within yourself. You need to address your own nervous system. You need to have an understanding of yourself before you expect everybody else to make you feel safe and comfortable. Mm, that's such an important point. Um, if someone is listening and is thinking, I know you said that you've got a wait list, but they'd like to work with you. What is this? Is there something they should know? How many sessions would they need? Like how, I suppose, what, what, how would work, what would working with you look like in comparison to maybe just a psychologist from um, Google? Um, so I only work by referral now. Um, and, and I do, as I said, I mean, I did a seven month stint with this couple. They're both in Melbourne and um, we're done. You know, I, I probably won't be scheduling sessions with them unless or until there's a, you know, the next crisis and then awesome, let's re-engage. So for me, it's, there's just a crow that's just, yeah, right that's <laughs> it's awesome. fine. Um, acceptance, acceptance. Yeah. Um, so it's like are you ready I like to work in an immersive way so so that it's cumulative so we have contact between our sessions so that it's really full-on and I understand as you've explained you know your family history and your patterns and I really understand what your model is so that I can pull you up in real time and, and we start to make changes and you notice those changes in real time um, and and it's usually sort of a three to five month process, depending mm. on what we're working with. And then as we, ha as you and I have, we might go months yeah. with no contact whatsoever. Cause I'm and then so fine and healed. <laughs> Everything's so, so awesome. Everything's fine. I'm so, I'm perfect again. So it's fine. <laughs> and then you slip back into your old pattern and you go, Bugger, and, and you'll sort of send me a novel and I'll go this, <laughs> this, this yeah. and then maybe we need to unpack that and then you'll go yeah i'll work on this first and i'll come back to you when i want to unpack it so that that's how i work it's usually intense yeah for three to five months maybe so and true. then it's kind of sporadic yeah mm. and what about someone listening um who perhaps doesn't have the budget or doesn't have the resources to engage in a therapist um, and it, I, I usually would ask, does it matter if they live in another state, but we do all our sessions over the phone or you yeah. do zoom anyway. So that's not, not relevant, yeah. but yeah, if someone doesn't have the resources perhaps right now, but they do want to engage in this kind of work, what can people in this position be doing to support themselves? There's a lot of great books. There's a lot of great podcasts. Um, you know, there's, I mean, for relationships, there's so many really great podcasts about marriages and about, I mean, um, Esther Perel has a great um, one where you literally are sitting in on couples therapy and you, and you frequently, I still listen to them and go, yep, that's me or yep, that's, mm. you know, so um, there's a lot of great podcasts and, and, and Brene Brown has a great podcast and, um, you know, when it comes, there's great books. And so reading all of those things, as you and I know, it still comes to a point of accountability. Part of the reason I mix up, which is again, why I don't work under the traditional psychologist model. I do like a 30 minute session. I, I say, email me. Initially, you'll have an upfront cost of this, but it will diminish to a point that it's, it's doable from a budget perspective. So email me your download. I will read it. We will do an intensive 30 or 45 minute session. Then I'll text you a follow-up. Here's your homework. Read this. Listen to that podcast. Start mm. holding yourself accountable here. And then go away for a month or six weeks and then come back and we'll see. Like there's different ways of making it work. If somebody wants to dive into change work, it doesn't have to be every week for an hour yeah. and a half. Or it, it doesn't, you can configure it. If they're invested, they'll make the changes. Yeah. 
Totally. Tina, I could ask you a million more questions, but I've already taken up more time than I promised you I would. But thank you so no. much for coming onto the podcast and sharing all your insight. And no doubt you'll be getting a panicked message from me anytime soon. So <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of A Lemon A Day. I'll pop all the links in the show notes. In the meantime, if you can hit subscribe, leave a positive review, hit five stars and share on social media, any combination of those things, I'd be so appreciative. Until next time, chat soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.